morning, afternoon, night. This is We Are Not Prepared, and we are your hosts, Byron and Mark Ivey. Well, welcome, welcome to We Are Not Prepared. I, I just have to get stuff off my chest first. First of all, the blind man is not here. I don't know where he's at. He took blind uh, sick leave, which I wanted to ask him. So I have a guest, but I suck at ask you. So, hello, this is uh, Lee Tomlin, and Lee is an artist. So have you ever done where they go, would you rather be blind or deaf? Someone asked you that question. Uh, you know, I remember, you know, in school talking about Helen Keller and that when she was asked if she would rather be blind or deaf, she said she would rather be deaf. Uh, yeah. No. Yes. She said she'd rather be blind. Lies. I'm sorry. So, mm -hmm. I've had like... Um, I've had, like, icebreakers at trainings I went to, and they've asked me that question, would you rather be blind or deaf? Mm -hmm. But I would like to ask Mark that question. Uh -huh. Since he's blind, mm -hmm. how would he answer that question? That's a good question. Mm -hmm. Welcome, Lee, to We Are thank Not you. Prepared. I am Byron. Byron, thank you. And for Jackson, and I'm just glad to be here, and I'm just glad to find you. Lee's an interesting is it anomaly? What does that word mean? An anomaly, like yeah. in, you know, not the usual kind of everyone is here. And then the anomaly is like that one person, kind of like Neo was the anomaly yes. in the Matrix. Yes, <laughs> you're like the Matrix. What? So you're I, Neo. I really? Yes. Okay, cool. Thanks. So you, Lee is an artist by profession and by hobby. And probably by a calling from, she's on a mission from God. Anyway, so do you remember the age where art, you kind of, you and art were kind of a thing, where that's the first memory where art was important to you? Well, you know, art has always been a part of my life, you know, and my dad was, you know, my dad is an artist. Um, he, doesn't really do that anymore. But as kids, we didn't have coloring books. We had paper and all the, you know, accoutrement like markers and crayons and things, but he didn't, he wanted us to like come up with our own stuff versus coloring books. But, um, and I always had some interesting kind of stories to tell in my pictures, but so I've always kind of done art, like drawn a lot, you know, as far as having sketchbooks and things. But I remember the first time that art really spoke to me. And that was, I think it was in elementary school. And we did a field trip to Philbrook Art Museum in Tulsa. Mm -hmm. And it was a show of Thomas Hart Benton's work. And it was just... I went, oh, you know, I kind of had that moment where like, oh my gosh, you know, this is what it's about, you know, and uh, have you, you know, you're familiar with his work? Not at all, but. He did a lot of um, socialist commentary as far as like what was going on during the 
depression and things like that, but it hits a very stylized and bright, really interesting. He did, he painted everyone and got people's stories and stuff, but it was really, I don't know. That was just really struck me as a kid. Like, wow. You know, I, I played with, um, little toy soldiers when I was young and I played with them probably through junior middle school but then it was like secret playing once I hit about the sixth grade so I remember friends coming over and knocking on the door and I'm like shoving all my little play soldiers under the under the bed or in the closet but looking back on that I actually think that um, that cat that is the thing that birthed my creativity because I didn't play war. Mm-hmm. I mean, every scenario in my world I played out with these soldiers. So, I, like for instance, I wasn't very good at track, mm-hmm. so I would always be in last place. But when I came home and played with my soldiers. I would make sure that I was like in first place and I was winning. And, and so I would have my own little track meets. And, That's cool. And so, um, so, I mean, that was the first time I think that really creativity spoke to me because mm-hmm. it was a great outlet too. And just sure. a very traumatic home. I could just um, go into my world. That and reading. Nice. Yeah, I mean, for me, you know, I have, you know, older siblings, but I um, grew up with my older brother, but I always entertained myself. You know, I didn't have to have, except going on one of the family stories is from my mother's that, you know, when my brother was little, she would be like, okay, Craig, it's time to put away your toys. And if he said no, then she was like, okay, well, I'm gonna have to put them up in the closet, you know. And he'd be like, okay, and then he would help clean up. And she would, then she thought, you know, when I came along that it would work. work. And I'd be like, okay, (laughs) you know, you can put all my stuff up there and it'd be fine. But (laughs) it was also a situation too, where my mom did never have to worry about me ever getting into her makeup, but she could come home one day and I would have Halloween makeup all over my face. Like I would entertain myself in the hallway. We had a full length mirror in the hall and I would just sit there. And make faces at myself and then I'd scare myself and then I'd like smile and be, you know, and, you know, those kinds of things, you know, just for entertaining purposes. See, I think those things are, we really lose ourself. I think when we do those things, we actually become one with the universe. Uh-huh. Yes. And it's not the same as a self-indulgent. Mm-hmm. It's a much more where you lose all sense of self Mm -hmm. and you just go and be so when you're doing like your face and Mm -hmm. stuff you became and so it was a very freeing thing Mm -hmm. so remember do you remember the first um traumatic lesson from art that's a good question first traumatic lesson Hmm. I don't know. One thing too, you know, I grew up with with not having coloring books, you know, and then friends would get mad if I didn't color in the lines. I'm like, whatever. Um, But as far as like instructors, you know, I've had 
a lot of people say that, you know, an art teacher kind of ruined them from wanting to do art because they said, you know, a tree has to be browns and greens versus the rainbow of colors, you know, which it can be whatever it's supposed to be. But um, probably when... I think mine was with peers yeah. more than with uh, like a teacher. Mm -hmm. I mean, peers were just... Kind of look, you know, look at those lines. Or mm -hmm. that's not how a person looks. True. Yeah. Because I um. Yeah, or when you, <laughs> I took an art class at Philbrook, you know, and um, I don't know what it was at that time in my life. We did it was a clay class, and I made these boxes, which were kind of cool, these clay boxes. But and then I would put something down in it. And it would have the name on top of it. Let's say eggs, and there you'd open it, and there's like this like carton of eggs. Oh, <laughs> How random! <laughs> or like there's this little box that, you know, oh. said sleep, and there was a person sleeping in their bed in it. But I did a lot of food, and one of the instructors was like, "What? What is it with you and all the food?" I'm like, "I don't know," because I'm I don't know. I'm hungry. <laughs> I guess I have no idea. I'm hungry. I want to like, eat. Yeah, I'm like I'm eight. I don't know. Yeah, but I think with trauma and art, for me, it was probably when I had a big idea and that it didn't really pan out the way that I had, in, how it was in my head. Then I learned to be open for happy accidents because a lot of times when it doesn't turn out the way you hope it would, you know, you, you hoped it did and things happen that you learn from, um, or you just get really sad. And I, you know, I've had some instances like that where I was like, Oh, I took too much clay out of the neck. So then when it was fired, it slumped. And then the composition was off because, you know, the flow wasn't there anymore. But I always yeah. think it's so fascinating when, um, like a, a country that's under a dictatorship, mm -hmm. Turkey has been just a fascinating country because it went from a democracy to a dictatorship. So I was able to, like, you're able to follow along. And so it's just so interesting to me that the first signs of rebellion in oppressive societies is art. And artists are, you know, singing or paintings or you know, poets, yeah. poets. And so, so there's something very powerful with art mm -hmm. that people want to control. And uh, so I just think it's impossible. It's almost like racism. It's impossible for us to go through life without encountering racism because it's like in the air we breathe. And I think it's the same with depression with art. Even though we say we like it, but do we like it? We if it's too truthful, we don't like it. And uh, if you paint a picture and you put a guy with a 20-foot penis on it, <laughs> suddenly that truth, I mean, people start going, well, you shouldn't do that. And, but for you, that might symbolize something. Or no penis at all. We'll go the other way. And so, <laughs> yeah, 
Like but, a Ken, yeah. Huh? Like a Ken doll. <laughs> yes, like a Ken doll. Like Ken was created there, so. Yeah, and I mean, and that's the thing. Art is important, and it doesn't matter who you are. The arts are important to everyone. And, you know, what's interesting is they, in a lot of schools or whatever, the first thing, if budget cuts happen, the first thing to go are the arts, which, you know, and it's documented that if kids are exposed to the, all the arts and academics, they perform better in everything because some kids flourish in the arts when they don't necessarily in other academic places. But, and then also another thing that is just mind blowing to me is that when we learn about other cultures and ancient history, guess what is true? Artifacts. Yeah. Hello, art, <laughs> music, you know, vessels, you know. And, and so it's it's important and it's a part of who we are, really. I mean, um, so. But we want to control that. Too. Oh, absolutely. But we want, it's like it's there, but we want to, it's like the water. I mean, there's water for everyone, but. It's much better if I could control that water and sell it to you and sell. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, you're right. Whenever um, there is any kind of rebellion, it does, they start arresting the artists, yeah. like the truth tellers, you know, whether that's in writing or visual arts or music or, yeah. So it is interesting because it is powerful. I, I love uh, comedy and uh, not that I'm funny, but. What I like about it is because good comedians know how to ride that line between this could really be very funny or I could go to jail for this. And so a good comedian could ride that line and you go, oh, I can't believe it. But it's ha ha ha. Where if you go too far, I mean, it's people don't respond to it. And so good comedians know how to find that, that truth like i really interested in uh, taylor swift Mm -hmm. and just her tour and so i have friends that have teenage daughter who daughters who followed her and a friend of mine she said my daughter was having like the toughest time during covid and with depression and we sent her to counselors and stuff and she said taylor swift was like a lifesaver and I just have talked to so many young girls where, well, what Taylor has learned is to speak a truth that that age group girl really hears mm-hmm. and resonates with that. And to me, the art of her being able to do that is just fascinating. That Absolutely. That she could just ring that song and... Mm-hmm. Yeah, because she's experienced a lot of stuff in her young life. I mean, even starting in her when she was a teenager. And so to be able to articulate what she's going through and have other people resonate with that, that's that's very impressive. Yeah. Yeah. You do that very well. I've seen I've seen you teach and I've seen um, Lee. What is your title? Well, program coordinator but you know enrichment programming whatever you want to say okay she is god to the blind no she is (laughs) you said whatever i wanted to say okay you said that (laughs) she is uh but she works and she teaches uh 
line. I don't know what you, I guess you work with them on art and enrichment and music. And next time you come, you should bring your bongos and okay, we'll sure. just play a little. Now, Santiago out there, who is not a genius, but close. <laughs> Actually, he's almost, he's a, he's a musician. Wow. And nice. uh, he, he actually has, I mean, he, I mean, he's like a professional musician. And so. That's fantastic. He would rather be doing music than, he likes doing this, but he wants to go out and do an album. Fantastic. And get famous and then right leave, on. Us, leave us all. Okay. So I got to spread your wings. But your job, so you go and you teach enrichments to, uh, yeah, to people who are blind and low vision and um, and anyone else, too. Uh, so, yeah, you know, clay, acrylic, you know, drawing. We do a little bit of everything. Try to experiment. Do, do drama? You know, that's on the list, yes, to do drama and have more music. Because my thing is I want to get it, get these programs started and then kind of hand them over to everyone so they can have ownership of them. and That is the possibilities philosophy. Mm -hmm. Love it. We, we are not here to do, but to teach mm -hmm. others to do. Yeah. Which is really fun with funders. Mm-hmm. What do you do? Well, we really don't do it. <laughs> we get people started and they do it. Mm-hmm. Well, fascinating. I, um, it is why I like DJing, actually. Because I think that uh, all we have done is, okay, let me back up, first of all, just because I'm 71 and I go on these tangents. So <laughs> I was driving by a gated community and I go, holy moly, people that are in gated communities, they do keep like people, unwanted people out, but they also lock themselves in. So if you want to do something simple like go for a walk or, I mean, you've boxed yourself in. So I just thought, interesting concept. Anyway, I just am amazed with uh, how we lock ourselves with music and art. Mm -hmm. But uh, music, and because people always go, I can't dance. Mm -hmm. And everyone could dance because it's not... Yes. It's just allowing yourself to feel the music and move to it. And mm -hmm. so it's just so funny, just our whole attitude, because I'll say, well, I'm a DJ. And the first thing people will say, well, I don't dance. Okay. So I love really, uh, like if I DJ a wedding and I could just, like I love putting on music and knowing that people aren't going to dance at mm -hmm. first. And just seeing which songs make people kind of tap their toes. Mm -hmm. And then if I could kind of find that groove, I'll just start playing a bunch of that genre. Mm -hmm. And then it's just so funny because first the mothers will bring their kids out, mm -hmm. quote, mm -hmm. to dance. And then they'll start dancing with the kids. Mm -hmm. And then the dads. So, and then it's just, but just to see people release and to just let themselves. Yeah, because dancing really is a great thing that connects everybody. I mean, because if you can get out of your own head and just dance, it's, it's amazing. So how did you get into DJing? I was, uh, when I sobered up, my sponsor 
I said, would you like to come over and play guitar? Because I said, I play guitar. Mm -hmm. And so I went over with my guitar. Well, I knew like two chords. Mm -hmm. And so he starts playing this blues, blah, blah, blah. Nice, yeah. And uh, I couldn't. And he just goes, you suck. (laughs) So he goes, I want you to go take lessons. So he sent me to his teacher. And for the next eight years, you know, I took uh, guitar lessons. But I I really was average, and I didn't work hard enough to play well. But I was really interested in his equipment because he had, like, the studio. And, it's, and so I just started getting interested in recording and um, mixing. And then one day they needed a DJ someplace, and I borrowed some equipment. And that went really well. And so I asked my wife, I said, what do you think I do DJing? And she goes, I think it's a good idea. She never says anything I do is a good idea, generally. So when she said, so I went out immediately and went to Guitar Center and bought like $1,000 worth of equipment, which, and uh, so that began. Cool. First time I did a gig. I plugged it up completely wrong. And this, luckily, this guy came by and knew how to do it. So, Yeah, that's cool. I mean, you're going to have it plugged up right in order to have the maximum, you know. Well, to actually have sound come yeah, out of it. Yeah, that's helpful. So there was no sound <laughs> coming out. It's always yeah, wanted. that's worse than having too much sound. <laughs> <laughs> no sound. Which sometimes I do. I like to get there early enough that I could. Because there's always this moment where... Something's not mm-hmm. kosher. Well, fascinating uh, talking to you. Yes, thanks for having me. Yeah, you're very interesting. What I, I like about you is that you don't seem to be an angry person at all. I try not to be. I mean, I have my moments, of course, like, you know, through the process of working on my house, you know. <laughs> you know, you have days, but yeah. But I mean, you don't have like this underlying resentment with life that comes out and and go, what was trauma? Well, no color. I mean, and so sometimes you ask people that and they go, my first doggy ate my crayons and (laughs) (laughs) I hate dogs to this day. Yeah. Yeah. So... So it really is pretty neat because you you don't have that. Thank you. Well, come again and we shall dance again. We have danced before together, so. Yes. Keys to work, that was fun. And down at Douglas, you always have the good grooves going. I do. Well, you have the good paintings going. And you're starting to decorate our offices, by the way, so good job. Well, thanks. Yeah, I like to contribute. Again. Next, okay, you need a picture of me. Okay. And so it's okay in this picture of me if you accent my biceps a little bit. Just <laughs> all right. Good. I'm I'm taking notes. Thank you. Lee, mm-hmm. it's been good being here. This has been um what's his face? The black guy. The blind guy's not here. I just know this black blind. Both bees. Anyway, we're not prepared. Have a good day, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Everybody have a good, good, good day.
As we wrap up, Possibilities would like to give a special thank you to this episode's sponsor, MidFirst Bank, paving the way for creative expression in our community. Their commitment to our vision allows us to continue to have these conversations. We are grateful for your continued support, MidFirst Bank.